Today in Security from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Today in Security from Wired. U.S. sanctions on Russia rewrite cyber espionage's rules. The U.S. has sent a loud message to Moscow, though what it's saying isn't exactly clear. By Andy Greenberg. Less than four months after the revelation of one of the biggest hacking events in history, Russia's massive breach of thousands of networks that's come to be known as the Solar Winds hack, The U.S. has now sent the Kremlin a message in the form of a punishing package of diplomatic and economic measures. But even as the retribution from solar winds becomes clear, the question remains, what exactly is that message? By most any interpretation, it doesn't seem to be based on a rule that the United States has ever spelled out before. On Thursday, the Biden administration fulfilled its repeated promises of retaliation for both the solar winds hacking campaign and a broad array of other Russian misbehavior that includes the Kremlin's continuing disinformation operations and other interference in the 2020 election, the poisoning of Putin political adversary Alexei Navalny, and even older Russian misdeeds, including the not-pet-you-worm, and the cyber attack on the 2018 Winter Olympics. The Treasury Department has leveled new sanctions at six cybersecurity companies with purported ties to Russian intelligence services, as well as four organizations associated with its disinformation operations. They also specifically targeted oligarch Yevgeny Prigozhin and Kremlin agent Konstantin Kalimnik, who you may recall from the Mueller investigation. But the most prominent of those sanctions, and most unprecedented, is the administration's specific response to the SolarWinds campaign, in which the Russian Foreign Intelligence Agency, known as the SVR, hid their code in the software updates of the SolarWinds IT management tool, known as Orion, to penetrate as many as 18,000 networks. Using that software supply chain attack and other vulnerabilities, the SVR breached at least nine U.S. federal agencies, including the Department of Justice, DHS, the State Department, and NASA. Russian intelligence services, the sanctioned statement from the U.S. Treasury reads, have executed some of the most dangerous and disruptive cyber attacks in recent history, including the SolarWinds attack, officially naming SVR for the first time as the culprit behind SolarWinds. 
The scope and scale of this compromise combined with Russia's history of carrying out reckless and disruptive cyber operations makes it a national security concern. The SVR has put at risk the global technology supply chain by allowing malware to be installed on the machines of tens of thousands of SolarWinds customers. But look closely at the SolarWinds sanctions response, and it's tough to see exactly what rule or norm for the world of state-sponsored hackers the Biden administration is seeking to write, or at least what rule that the U.S. itself hasn't broken in its own hacking operations, says Bobby Chesney, a law professor at the University of Austin focused on cybersecurity and national security. Any rule that SolarWinds violates would be a new one, he argues, given that the hacking campaign was by all appearances focused on the kind of cyber espionage U.S. intelligence agencies routinely carry out with no clear evidence that it was intended to cause disruptive effects. The SVR hackers were even somewhat restrained, going so far as to use a kill switch that removed their malware from targets they didn't intend to spy on. It's all espionage, right? In fact, it looks like a fairly carefully crafted espionage campaign, says Chesney. And so the question is, since we're now saying that crossed a line, you can't sanction somebody and say you're retaliating and punishing them for this and not mean to be drawing some kind of red line. What is it? The difference, Chesney suggests, is one of scale rather than substance. The SolarWinds hacking campaign took a shotgun blunderbuss approach that could distinguish it. The SVR's corruption of the software supply chain could be seen as uniquely reckless, but the U.S. has tried that too, with operations that have compromised Cisco routers during shipping or built back doors into the Swiss encryption software firm CryptoAG. Some cyber policy critics see Biden's sanctions for SolarWinds spying in more cynical terms, an incoherent knee-jerk response designed to satisfy anyone who'd accuse the administration of being soft on Russia. This is not an attempt to correct Russia's behavior, says Dmitry Alperovich, former CTO of security firm CrowdStrike and the founder of the cybersecurity-focused Silverado Policy Accelerator. This is more about making us feel good that we're hitting back and mostly, frankly, for a domestic audience. Aperovich argues that by punishing the Kremlin for careful cyber spying and lumping it in with a large collection of far worse actions, in fact, makes it even harder to rein in the Kremlin. I'm not opposed to hammering Russia, Aperovich says, but it would have been much more effective if we'd focused on one or two things that we really think are beyond the pale and told them if you correct this behavior, these sanctions will drop. That's how you achieve effects, or at least have a chance of achieving effects. This is not. Still, administration officials have argued that even espionage can cross boundaries, especially at this scale. In some ways, the rule isn't new, though it might be new to cyber activity, says J. Michael Daniel, the president of the Cyber Threat Alliance and the former cyber coordinator in the Obama White House. Just because there's an acknowledgement that every state conducts espionage doesn't mean you don't respond when those activities get too big and too brazen. Tom Bossert, the Homeland Security Advisor to former President Donald Trump, echoes that view. He says that he would have taken similar steps to punish Russia had his tenure extended to the Solar Winds campaign. He argues that it falls under the same rule against hacking that lacks discrimination and proportionality that he intended to set with sanctions in response to Russia's NotPetya cyber attack in 2017, which caused $10 billion of damage around the world. 
Letting solar winds go unanswered, Bossert says, would be like Japanese planes circling Pearl Harbor, and we're all sitting around saying, well, I'm certain and confident that this is just an espionage effort. They're just up there taking pictures, he says. At this point, it's Japanese planes not only over Pearl Harbor, but over New York, Washington, D.C., Indiana, and L.A., holding companies and agencies at risk. Biden administration officials said as much on Thursday, holding up the potential for destruction that the SolarWinds hacker's degree of access could have caused as a key factor in its response. What's concerning is, from that platform, from the broad scale availability of the access they achieved, there's the opportunity to do other things, and that's something we can't tolerate, said NSA Director of Cybersecurity Rob Joyce in a call with reporters Thursday. And that's why the U.S. government is imposing costs and pushing back. But critics of the administration's response point out that while the SVR could have used its SolarWinds hacking to carry out enormous disruption, it didn't. You don't hammer someone for what they could have done, Alperovitch says. You focus on what they actually did do. The White House, however, is likely judging Russia also on what it has done, the University of Texas's Chesney argues. The NotPetya attack similarly used software supply chain hacking to spread destructive malware in what could be recognized as the costliest cyber attack in history. Russia's GRU military agency carried out NotPetya, rather than the relatively careful and stealthy SVR, but that distinction may matter less than the similarity of the methods they used. Russia is seen as a group, says Chesney. One kid in the group burnt their permission slip, and now everyone's punished for it. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more security news at wired.com security. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.